Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show is John Francis Flynn, who released his second album, Look Over the Wall, See the Sky, on November 10th and is gearing up for an Irish tour in the next week. What an album this is and what love John Francis Flynn has received both at home and abroad, lauded by the likes of Stereo Gum and The Quietus. Ryan Lees wrote in Stereo Gum, on its musical merits alone, look over the wall, see the sky, is a stunning level up from an already fascinating artist. These arrangements and performances are not just pure exploration, but also philosophically driven. The aesthetic contrast of the zoological garden also sets the stakes for the album thematically, depicting Flynn's home as something enigmatic and unreachable now. It's an old song, viewed through the mists of time, a Dublin scene viewed from the perspective of watching his city slip away. Tom Bolton writes in The Quietus, the tension between singing about times that are gone, by definition the subject of music that is handed down, and the existence we all have to deal with right now, can be heard throughout Look Over the Wall. This is the core of Flynn's originality, the means by which the album speaks to us and the reason it has so much power. John Francis Flynn builds originality from a shared legacy which, from Dominic Behan to Shane McGowan, is in constant motion. Traditional music lays out the contradictions of existence forced to recognise and claim. Look Over the Wall, See the Sky is an album full of generosity and insight, songs that show us to ourselves in the way perhaps only folk music can. And John Francis Flynn's tour dates, if you don't already have them in your diary, are the Set Theatre in Kilkenny on Friday, December 1st, Baker Street in Dublin on December 2nd, Roisin Dove in Galway on December 8th, St Luke's in Cork on December 9th, De Barras in Clonakilty on December 10th, Dolan's Warehouse in Limerick on December 14th, He's doing Out to Lunch Festival in the Ulster Sports Club in Belfast on Friday, January 12th. And then he's off on a UK and EU tour from January 19th for about a month. And then he's back here in the Theatre Royal in Waterford on February 22nd. I got to talk to John Francis Flynn around his first album, I Would Not Live Always, in August 2021. Search for TPOE 212 if you want to listen back to that. This interview coming up, just so as you know, it was done outside on the edges of Fairview Park on a cold autumnal morning. And would you believe, when we sat down, of course, a tractor began cutting the grass nearby. Which all means there's a bit of background noise in this interview. Hopefully not enough that you'll switch it off. But if you do find it distracting, you can read the whole interview up on my newsletter, tpoe.substack.com. It's all free. Don't worry about that prefer to read it and you don't want the noise just go there no questions asked coming up though john francis flynn talks about the influence of dublin the good bad and ugly side of it on look over the wall see the sky how songs like dirty old town developed he talks about honesty in music paddy wackery and how the world views ireland we talk about creme de month and we talk about a lot more as well we're listening to the seasons off the album now and we'll hear another couple of tracks or another couple of snippets anyway off of the album throughout the interview as well here's john francis flynn on the point of everything we had a nice little walk around slightly north dublin there near enough to where you grew up seemed kind of apt is your new album 
not a concept album, but kind of about Dublin. Is that one of the ideas that you had at the outset? Um, yeah, it's not really uh, a theme that I knew I was exploring until kind of halfway through the process of putting the songs together. But it did. That was kind of like it. It emerged then uh, that it was very much a, an album about Dublin. That's how I think about it, anyway. Yeah. What was the initial idea? Was it you actually think sitting thinking down what you wanted to do for a second album, or was it just these collection of songs you thought all just kind of worked together? It happened more so that like um, I had an idea for one song. And I was like, all right, I, I, or I had separate ideas for a number of songs, uh, and I, like, we went to Leitrim to jam, to jam myself and Brendan and Ross and Alton came along for a couple of days as well, and uh, I, I, it, it, we, I think we came away with one song, and that was the start of it. It was. I didn't have I didn't go into like I didn't say go into the studio with like 10 or whatever it's eight tracks of eight songs and know that like oh yeah these 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 songs will all work together and I'll I'll just record them now in two weeks and that'll be the album it was more of a it was like in a year-long process uh I have an idea for this song I have an idea for that song and we we record as many songs as we could in that time or as many songs we, as I had ideas for and then you know I fit them together then at the end I kind of like some of them weren't working some of them were working and like I think I think like as I put them together the theme of the album became clear and then some songs and then it was kind of like how do we finish off this album this particular song's not working but uh, you know like it, it, it was it was a journey as opposed to like I have these songs I want to record them you know what did it start with what was the first song that you had uh, Kitty Kitty was the first one we, we recorded that in Leitrim Oh Kitty my darling remember that the dawn will be mine if I stay tis far better to part though it's hard to and to rot in the prison Myself and Brendan were actually working on a, another project recording uh, music for a film. I'm not sure if it's if even going to be used in the film, but uh, we did come up, we did come away with loads of ideas for like I, when he, he started playing like the clarinet through a lot of pedals and like during this stint and I was like I think I have a song that I, I want like as some sort of a drone for that I think this is the perfect music for it perfect sound for it and and it worked so so he took f- something from a different project and made it work for for this one it's kind of it's kind of that's actually how a, a number of things happened with this album I was working on just getting in- inspired by working on other things and being like wait a sec that really works with uh, what I'm thinking over here, you know? And so kind of like leftovers from other projects kind of to get taken in. In in terms of Dublin on the album, are, are you looking at it kind of through angry eyes, mournful eyes, like hopeful eyes that like, you know, Dublin 
won't be defeated. I know that like the cobblestone is one of the uh, ideas underpinning the album as well. You were very vocal in the protests against the developments that were planned for there. Is Do you think it's an angry album? Um, I would see it as a hopeful album. Like I, I started, uh, so I came to a lot of these songs around the time of that. It was, it was only afterwards I was thinking about like when was I, when did I start when did I learned these like when was I listening to these songs uh, when was I researching these songs when I was when did I come to them and why do I connect with them and it was actually because they were it was around that time when there was a big there was a huge energy around the the, Dublin, the Dubliners dying movement that we started around the cobblestone and that brought in a lot of other movements to like protect the city and protect our homes protect our communities like that energy was intense and amazing i really really got a very because you, you start out thinking like oh how are we going to f- fight off these like you know property developers <laughs> you know like what can we do and it was just so overwhelmingly uh powerful the, the our little movement or the like the the the, the momentum again that like i it's actually quite a hopeful feeling like the hope that even though there's a lot of distru- there's a huge amount of struggle, uh, there's the hope and community and and unity and bonding when when uh, when you come together and, and and fight back, and I think the 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 album is a lot about that. Like the the title is "Look Over the Wall, See the Sky." There's a lot of hope in that. That's how I would see it, anyway. Yeah. You had a great uh, feature with the Quietus. They seem to really love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. I, I loved the quiet as well, so it was kind of like really. It was such a nice, such a nice experience to uh, to talk to John Doran, and he was kind of he's so he could he was he was able to tell me stuff about about my music. Like he wasn't even so much as asking questions. He was kind of like uh, <laughs> it was more of a comment. Yeah, it was kind of like now I'm going to ask you something, but I'm I'm going to actually make. Uh, I'm gonna tell you. So I'm gonna say something. And I hope I'm right. And like you basically say something, and I'm like, you are dead right. That's exactly right. Right. And you know, so whatever answer, whatever question he was going to ask me, he already had the answer for. It. And I was like, John, you're. This is brilliant. You get. You get me in a big way. Like he got. He got the music in a big way. So he could have just done the interview himself. Just to yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was really. It was, it was really nice talking to him. He was great, uh, interesting fella, and uh, yeah, loved quiet. So I was kind of uh, a bit blown away by that. Like there's loads of quotes that I could have picked out that I almost wanted to ask you about. Just tell me more about this. Tell me more about this. Oh yeah. One of them was uh, you said when I connect to a song, I develop a personal idea of what it's about, and this in turn makes me feel a certain way. And the arrangement then comes out of how I can best represent those feelings. I feel that it's respectful of the source material. Tell me about how you connect to a song, though. Is it just a case of listening to them in the likes of the setting of the cobblestone? You can set, the, you can connect with a song multiple ways as a listener, as a singer, and I would say that as a singer, even if you connect with a song, even if you really love a song, if you hear someone else singing a song, you're like, really, I would really love to sing that song. There's so many times when I've gone to a song and I've st- I've, I've sang it, and I was like, and I've tried my best, and it's just not. It's just not right. It's not fitting. It's not. It's not really resonating with me the same way, way as when I listen to it. And I have to just accept that you know that song is best left sang by another person. You know, that's someone else's. That's someone else that does a better job of that than me. And I can still appreciate that song. I can still love that song. 
and then there's other songs that when when I sing them and I, it's it's hard to explain it but you kind of meet the song in a and you just resonate with it and it like it it comes out and it's 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 very honest and it makes you feel something when you sing it and you're kind of your song yourself and the song are intermingling and it 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 there's a, a certain I don't know you ha- you have to be honest with that and if you're not being honest with the, with that then it maybe it doesn't come out properly and but if you if you do really meet a song and uh resonate with it i think you'll you you will you'll just naturally be honest with it and then you'll you i suppose you'll have your own like whatever like meaning the song uh whatever like meaning it has for you uh will come out then in that honesty and then in terms of arranging songs i suppose that that uh that honesty and emotion from that uh kind of guide where the song can go and i think you can frame a song however you like once it represents the essence of it and to really understand the essence of it you just have to be very honest i think can you tell like when acts aren't being honest or is it just like a personal thing i think so I, well i mean i think that uh it, it is very much a personal thing but i do think that a lot of traditional singers think like that i would say that a lot of really really good traditional singers people who really know what they're doing uh people who i look up to i i'd imagine i haven't had too many conversations about this but i have i do think that probably that's how most people would 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 think you know and there's nothing against singing a song that maybe you're not like uh i don't have anything against anyone singing any song they want to you know you can sing sing whatever song you want to but certainly some people sing with such honesty and emotion to with a song that like i couldn't reach with certain songs and then like it would work but i can recognize that honesty in how i perform other songs you know I don't know if I'm I'm not going around being like I don't know if that person's honest or not you know I don't know if that person's forced and things there but sometimes you actually can actually a prime example is like when you ha- when like you do gigs where you have to sing songs I've done gigs back then I tried to not do them but like like the the touristy gigs and you you know when you're when you're trying to make a few quid in Dublin as a musician uh, you end up having to do these gigs and some people really enjoy that uh, I, it wasn't for me and it's it's a job like uh but you have to sing s- songs that like you don't necessarily want to sing and i knew myself as like i'm being so dishonest here i can't this is not fun for me i'm uh this is not uh, this is not uh, i don't feel like artistic it's like diminishing me my kind of soul almost you know and you can tell when people are just going through the ropes when you go say not going through the ropes but just going through the motions as they say yeah I've nothing again, nothing against that. But in terms of being fulfilled as a singer, being fulfilled as a, an artist or, or whatever you know, or, or as an interpreter of traditional songs, or as a just a singer of traditional songs, that is soul destroying for me. I, I, I really, you know, and then and then also there's other people who do really resonate with that and and do a really really good job of it, and are able to do it like so, you know, and I and I can listen to that and appreciate that as well. I'm at my love by the castle's wall 
Are those touristy gigs where Dirty Old Town, the closer of the album, came from? Were you doing a version of that? Were you doing this? I, I presume that you weren't doing this version of it, but that seems like a song that you almost have to do at those gigs, is it? It is a song that you would, like, kind of... Uh, it's, it's one of those kind of uh, songs that it's kind of done to death, and it's uh, done to death in a particular way, and the way that the <laughs> Dubliners did it, and the way that the Pogues did it, and they're two excellent versions of that song I loved I love those versions but they became so popular it popularized the song and in that style of singing or that kind of raucous kind of ballad kind of uh, pumping it out kind of song style that that was the, that it became this kind of pub classic kind of you know and it's brilliant but it is done to death like you walk through Temple Bar and you'll hear it uh, ten times you know and nothing wrong with that again, but uh, I, I, I really wanted to take, I really loved the song, and I really wanted to take it back to kind of almost the original, where like Ewan McCall, who wrote the song, kind of sang it in a very somber way. It was very emotional and somber and soft, uh, tender kind of song. And I was like, way before, actually, this is probably the, the starting point of the album, even though we didn't start with it. It was an idea in my head. I was like, I really want to do dirty old town but i just want to like turn it turn it on its head like just to do like do a really common song but just completely change the the tone of it i suppose was langham a bit of an inspiration in terms of that like their version of the wild rover again i kind of see them yeah. almost as like wow that's almost unrecognizable from what i would associate the wild rover as rethinking about that in terms of dirty old town no, no, I wasn't. I wasn't, but uh, I, but that, but it is a similar thing. I like myself and like, our we can, we come from the same scene, you know. We were we grew up playing, like when when I was in my early twenties, like I was like this is where this is, this the scene I was getting into, and we were all hanging out. So we we have like similar sensibilities in terms of like how we sing songs and how we, you know, we we I guess we're, I'm very influenced by the scene in general and certainly by by Lancome but everyone I play with you know but I wasn't I wasn't trying to do um, I wasn't trying to do do a popular song I guess Lancome's song actually the the, the Wild Rover was more inspired I, well, I'm, what, the way I'm thinking now is like it's probably more inspired by the actual the melody of the song is completely different so like they were coming out of it they, they found, like they obviously found this very interesting alternate version of the wild rover and we're like geez this is dark this really suits yeah. it for me is like that, that that really that that melody really suits Lancome, you know and they did a fucking amazing job of it and really turned on its head but it was it is a completely different version of the song like definitely completely different melody whereas wild uh, whereas a dirty old town is the exact same melody and exactly i'm just slowing it down and kind of getting more to grips with like at the i just i mostly basically the the, the big influence actually was ian mccall himself so yeah you do another couple of Ewan McCall songs on the album as well do you? Uh, Lag Song uh, is a Ewan McCall song I've been singing that song that was supposed to go on the last album but uh, I 
I it was just it was just wouldn't, it wouldn't fit. <laughs> I just couldn't make it fit, even though I loved. It's kind of like one of my favorite songs to sing, and so it had to go on this album. And then it almost didn't go on this album. I was like, it just has to like. <laughs> so it's another. I had to drop another song. Um, well, actually, I, I put it up to a vote between a few people, and it, it, the lag song won in the end. Uh, That's how the magic of the albums come together. It comes down to a vote. A vote, yeah. <laughs> Listeners yeah. think, wow, we really put so much thought. Into yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of thought went into it. I was just like, but for this particular thing, I was like, I actually, I can't. I'm so I listened to it so many times. I was like, Joe, I, I actually don't know. I need fresh ears on this. Sometimes you need fresh ears, and that's that. Like, yeah. it it actually does seem like those two songs, Lag Song and Dirty Old Town, go together. Like the line from Lag Song that stands out to me is, "Well, the moon is still shining, but the dreams they are all broken." It almost seems like you know they're they're both kind of about the same thing. Yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a. It's like I mean, definitely. I think he would, he would have written the songs around a similar time, I suppose, and he probably had a similar feeling when he was writing about songs, you know. I don't know, yeah, but I, I actually never knew, noticed that uh, the, 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 the lyrics, uh, that correlation, you know, but uh, certainly does feel similar. They're very much, like Ian McCall is a very, he has a, he has a style, you know, so I guess uh, a lot of his songs would, would, would work together. But uh, yeah, no, that is that's nice. It's a nice little uh, uh, note there. Uh, you also told the quietest that the songs all challenge a perspective of what Ireland is or is perceived to be. What do you mean by that? Could you kind of expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So like the whole idea of like, um, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> lovely little dog. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I guess it was. Um, it's it's basically like a, a theme that emerged from the album around being from like about being, being a Dublin album. It's also like an Irish album. It's about identity. It's about how I started thinking about how people view Irish people. Like I don't really like the whole I don't know the Disneyland kind of like version of what Ireland is like leprechauns and. Uh, like rainbows and crocs of gold and you know all this kind of crack and it's just like everyone it's, it's like we're sold around the world as these like oh sure everything's grand like everything's grand in Ireland it's such a lovely place you know whereas actually this is a real fucking place and it's like really has a lot of it's a very hard place to live in you know it's like the highest rent in, in Europe like you know it's like getting priced out of our homes it's a real, real problem. Like a, lo- a good few of my f- friends at the moment are facing eviction because landlords are selling their houses and stuff, and they have nowhere to go. They have to like go home with their mas. That that's the only option because there's like can't find a house that actually you can like rent uh, that you can afford to rent. You know, so there's that whole like, kind of perception of what Ireland is sold as, and what and, and people come over to Ireland like tourists come over to Ireland and watch us playing Irish music in these sessions and like in Temple Bar and you know and they're thinking wow isn't this amazing and actually yeah it is amazing but like you have a really warped view of what this is and people start dying you know the whole like album cover thing with the Creme de Monde it's just like people die entire river is green <laughs> on Paddy's Day but I went over to Zambia even and they were dying pints pints in Zambia 
are agreeing on Paddy's Day. I was like, this is outrageous. You know, it's everywhere. Like, and I was like, why? You, so I was just kind of like tongue in cheek, kind of like poking fun at. Why don't you, why don't you just have a? Why don't you have have a creme de menthe instead? Like, and I was like, this is the, the essence of Ireland. This little green glass of. Anyway, I I I I can't stand this whole how we're sold around the world and like especially Irish music because I've gone on tour in America and it's very hard to get away from like people the paddy whackery element of things people just want you to be a certain thing because they're sold a certain thing and you're like no I'm not that and then there's actually loads of Irish Americans in America in England and who really engage with like who really know what it is to be Irish and really know what it is to be Irish abroad, you know, and like really engage with Irish culture and understand that, and and, and also hate that paddy whackery element as well. But it's just like it's a it's a it's it's a bit of a nightmare, like that kind of and things. Anyway, so like I, my whole sort of roundabout thing, like the the, the album, I think t- challenges how uh, challenges that how we like what it is to be Irish, and even if that's just true, like sonically, like what how do you like frame a Irish song or like you know maybe like talk about it talks about like um the struggles in in Dublin or like what like what it is to be from Dublin what it is to be Irish maybe in an abstract way but that's kind of how how I think about it did you get to try the creme de menthe that's on the cover of course I did yeah (laughs) how how many did you make before you settled on the bright looking one (laughs) we had like we had like four or five different glasses Trey's Rafter and Ashing uh Redmond came came out uh with us, well, oh, sorry. Well, they went out on their own and took two shots. I came out for a couple of hours, one of the days, and they had a big bottle of Crown de Mont and they were pouring it into different glasses. And uh, yeah, it was. It's <laughs> Crown de Mont is uh, delicious if you have ice, but if you don't have, if you have no ice, uh, it's too syrupy, and you know you need to have it on ice. <laughs> but at, but it is. Absolutely fantastic. Imagine if sales of Creme de Menthe go up because of this album. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, tell me about the Zoological Gardens, the opening track on uh, the album. There's there's that kind of sense of dread. I guess it's like Brendan, is it, with the tape loops? Yeah, it's, ca- it's, it's, it's that more... That kind of comes in at the start there, and you hear it kind of more times throughout the album. Yeah, so that is the track that tied the whole thing together. A thunder and lightning is no luck When Dublin City is in the dark So if you've any money, come out to the park And you the zoological gardens We went out there to see the zoo We saw the lion and the kangaroo but all she wanted to see was the old cockatoo up in the zoological gardens. We went out there by castle. So, like, we had all of the rest of the tracks like recorded, and I was like, "How do you line these up?" I know that this, like, this, I could see the themes, and I could see the how it would. There's so a few different ways it could go, and I was like, but it needs something else. And myself and Brendan were working on a different project, uh, the Bohemian Way, uh, with Bohemian Football Club, and we were asked to record a couple of Dublin songs, and I chose to record the Zoological Gardens as Overness House, and 
I was like, as soon as we recorded, Brendan was messing with um, these kind of, I don't know exactly what he was doing. Like, Brendan's a bit of a wizard, but he was, he's doing all this mad shit with, uh, with it, like, feedback loops and, like, through, like, his, uh, I, I actually, to be honest, I'm not even going to try and explain it. Uh, I don't know what he was doing, but it was all this mad feedback stuff. And it was really, really cool. And I, I was singing over that basically. And we were like, "Oh yeah, this." Sounds. And after we recorded, we listened back, and we were like, "This is, this is it. Like this is, this is the, both of us, myself and Brendan, were like, this is the the last piece of the puzzle. So we have to use, we had to use it on the album. It's, we we used it on the Bohemian Way as well, but it's a slightly different version. Yeah. So basically, the whole buzz is that at the start, it's just unaccompanied singing for the first verse. And you're set in Dublin. You're there. You're, it's it's a very much a Dublin trad song. You're in Dublin. This is a trad album. You're in Dublin. And then seeps in the the weird, wonky electronics. And I guess at that point you're like, hopefully you're like, oh, where? Do, like this could go anywhere from here. Like this is kind of, you know, you're you're in... Uh, you're in Dublin, but it's getting wonky. <laughs> <laughs> that's the uh, that's the uh, headline of the album. <laughs> you're yeah, in yeah, Dublin, yeah. but it's getting wonky. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mall in the ground is the second track. It's just an unbelievable tune. Like every time that I listen to it, it's like you find something else to discover. Was it an easy song to figure out? Because I know the story behind it. It's like this old Appalachian yeah. uh, folk song. And I saw you you put up a clip of you doing it maybe during lockdown. Yeah. Um, and and it sounds kind of there. Yeah. Like did did it take ages to figure out like what this uh, the what we hear on the album to get to that point? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we did. Uh, like, I basically, I was working on it uh, over lockdown, and uh, I uh, I was messing around with it over lockdown, and I wasn't, like, work, working on it in any particularly seri- serious way and, until much much after, like further on than that. But I did come up with this, like, guitar finger-picking thing and had a Casio, and I had the, the drum machine on the Casio, and I was just playing along to that, and I was like, you know what, this is... I really, really like this buzz. Um, so I wanted kind of a drum machine and kind of a dodgy kind of synth and uh, the, the, the 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 guitar thing. And then, but the the melody of the the song, I was kind of like, this is like, it's quite a, it's, it sounds like a children's song. It was like, it's a bit like Wheel of Wall. It's like a very serious message, but it, or like it's a very dark song, but it's, uh, but the melody is. Like the mall ground is. And you're singing, I wish I was a. Like, I don't like the railroad man. I don't like the railroad man. The railroad man, he'll kill you when he can. He'll drink up your blood like wine. And I was like, that's really vicious. That that line, like, that. This is, like, really dark, you know? And I really like that the, the contrast of like happy melodies and uh, it's weird like and, and very dark <laughs> it's stuff. Very weird. Yeah, yeah. But but for this, I was just like, I actually just want to get to the grips with just the lyrics. I want them to come out, and I, so I just spo- like kind of speak it or kind of chant it with like kind of on one note or two notes, uh, pretty low, and that came together. I I knew I wanted to do that for ages, 
but I didn't know how to I didn't know how to frame it and I was trying my best with just with the guitar arrangement and like the drum machine and then I brought it to the lads and we, we jammed it out and we had a few different versions of it and it wasn't until, like it wasn't until maybe a year after we jammed it first that it came together in one of the rehearsal studios that we were working in there and came and did this bass line and I was like that really works that really works and that kind of like tied it together with when Ross slashed down a, a drum beat and then then it was like it, it, then it was like then it was done like Brendan Brendan then lashed uh, basically it was kind of like my voc- vocals and then every verse like my vocals would obviously you know sing the song or chant the song and then Brendan would take over with uh, a guitar solo and that was it came together kind of very quickly but after years of me kind of like trying things I knew I knew I knew kind of where I wanted it to go but I just there was set, set, we were missing something something set. I think it was probably Cayman's bass line that really tied it together like oh, does, does Cayman play on the album? Cayman's all over the album oh great yeah, wow, yeah. great who else is on the album? Who are the other musicians? You know, Brendan Jenkins. Brendan Jenkinson. Your right-hand man. Yeah, uh, Ross Cheney, Alton O'Brien, Kaya Kennedy. She's uh, on Mold the Ground. She's on, she's like... Oh, uh, she's the female vocalist. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. And Colm O'Hara, Roman Bly. Dude, I hope I haven't left anyone out there. Alton O'Brien, just hey, Alton. Uh, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's everyone. <laughs> I hope that's everyone. I haven't left any, anyone out there. Yeah. It's interesting seeing the features about you and them talking about this song and the, you know, the new genres that they're almost talking. You know, they're not talking to you about you in kind of a trad sense. It's almost like he's bringing it into this new world. Is that something that you're thinking about? That like I don't want to do just trad. I want to try and like make this a bit of a a post punk song, or I want to make this more of a like an ambient song or, or something like that are you thinking about other genres um i wouldn't think necessarily in other genres i don't like thinking in in, in like in those terms and like words or whatever but i just don't I, I don't put any like boundaries up for myself in terms of like what i can do the only lo- like rule i have for myself is to be honest and respectful of the source material and once you're doing that then like uh, then I can kind of frame it however I like. I, th- I think I read that you don't change the lyrics to the songs, do you? You sing the original versions. Yeah, I wouldn't go out of my way to like. It's not that I would like. What I do do is like I get multiple. I could get multiple versions of a song and then mash them together, and which is what I do with Zoological Gardens. That's Ronnie Drew's version mixed with Brendan Behan's version, and then like Mole in the Ground. That's a mix of. The Boscombe Lamar version, and I think there's a Jackson C. Frank mole in the ground. I wish I was a mole in the ground. If I was a mole, I'd tear that mountain down. That bit is a that bit is from the Jackson C. Frank version. But uh, yeah, so so I don't really change. I don't change lyrics to the songs, but I kind of I, I might mix them up a bit, a, a bit with different versions. I wish I was a mole in the ground. Yes, I wish I was a mole in the ground. If I was a mole in the ground, I'd root that mountain down. And I wish I was a mole in the ground. (laughs) 
And I wished I was a mole in the ground I wished I were a mole in the ground If I was a mole in the ground I thought I'd tear I'd tear this mountain down Wished there was a mole in the ground We're not going to be able to talk about all of the songs on the album but within a mile of dublin really stands out to me was that oh, yeah. like a really fun one to make it sounds like you're all just in the room jamming together and then this big chaotic outro happens yeah that was really <laughs> really fun um it was it, it it i think it did take a lot of i think it took a bit of overdubbing did it I'm trying to think about how we how we recorded that um i think we added certainly added layers of distortion but we did we did I think we played pretty much played it live yeah no we did play it live because it was hard to get it was hard to get the fiddle and the whistle to kind of seep out of it's supposed to be it's supposed to seep out and be, the drone, drone takes over and uh, because it was leak it, it, because we were you you get some of the fiddle in another person's mic I think like it was harder to like completely get rid of it when they drop, well, we we Brendan did it in the end, uh, but uh, yeah. Anyway, it was it was it was a it was a big piece to. It's kind of it was a fun uh, concept for a, a track to just like within again within a mile of Dublin, and you're as you go through the tune, it just starts breaking down, and it just turns to this noise, and then like Kaya coming in with the within a mile of Dublin, and then it kind of just turns into this kind of like weird industrial dance track or something like that kind of weird I don't know it was really really fun uh, making it and it was a bit of a journey it definitely took a while beyond just it wasn't just performed fully live some of it was performed live and then there was like a lot of work afterwards Does this album feel like it's opened doors for you just creatively in terms of how you view songs like there are no rules no limits like have you thought about what's next do you know like what's coming like say for album number three that like you don't want to have any limitations on you yeah i mean like i think the the first album actually uh opened door the door for me really because i was taking uh risks with the first album because it was my first album uh i didn't i didn't know how like i was kind of like i was finding my feet you know i was finding my voice uh and i was I had ideas and I was like, oh, are these good? I don't know. And and it was over lockdown as well. So it was like sitting on stuff, on recorded stuff for months and months and months on end. So I was kind of like, listen after listening to it a thousand times, you're like, oh God. And then then the album went down well. And I was like, oh, I, like people like this. Uh, I needed, I, I guess I needed that reassurance, even though I well, I was pretty sure I liked it. I was, I was still kind of a little bit... You know, it was my first thing. So, uh, anyway, that gave me kind of—I felt more. It gave me confidence going into the second album. And now, like, I don't really, I don't really need uh, people. I, I, well, I do. I, I want people to like the album, of course. But I, 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 I like it. My, this is the first time I've been like, yeah, I actually really like this. I like this album. Uh, I set out to do something, uh, collaborated with really good musicians and friends, and. We 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 formed something. We set out to do something, and we and we and we're all very proud of what it is that we made. And 
I, I think I'll go into the next album with some a similar a similar confidence in, in, in terms of vision and I hope that people like it for sure but uh, most importantly is that I like it and the lads who are on the album like it as well great well uh, I've already seen it's got an album of the week from uh, uh, Stereo Gum yeah. album of the month from uh, The Quietus so uh looks like you're on on the way there so uh congrats and thanks for sitting outside in the cold <laughs> on a cold november morning chatting to me ah uh, thanks very much cheers thanks for having me